I'm Brian Carpenter, host of Fresh Air at Five, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another great episode of My EdTech Life. I am your host, Fonz Mendoza, and I am excited to be here with you all on this wonderful Tuesday evening. It could be well into Wednesday, depending on wherever you are in the world. I really appreciate you joining us today for this amazing, amazing show. I am just so excited to talk to our guest because I ran into her at TCA, just a couple of sightings here and there, but you should have seen her. She was everywhere I turned at every booth. She was presenting. She was just uh, bringing joy to everybody around. There was a bunch of hugs, a bunch of people, a bunch of pictures everywhere. Although we had to meet there in person because of course we're very busy, but I'm just so excited to have Stevie here on the show. Stevie, how are you doing this evening? Hi. Well, thank you so much for inviting me onto the show. I'm doing great. It is eight o'clock my time on Eastern time. So I am just living the night out life. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm just so excited. And like I said, Stevie, I'm just glad that we were able to connect. I know I think I had sent you the invite during TCEA. And I was like, All right, I'm just so excited to have you on the show. And, you know, a couple of weeks after TCA, now we're here. We get to kind of digest that a little bit. But most importantly, like I get to know your story and our audience members gets to know your story as well, because I know you have a big uh, social media following on Twitter. So many great and amazing and innovative things that you post and that you work with teachers with, uh, that you work with teachers and students alike. And so definitely today is going to be a day where maybe I get to pick your brain but also a day where some of our audience members who may not be familiar with your work yet may be able to connect with you. As you know, that is the mission of our show, connecting educators and creators one show at a time. So Stevie, I would love to get started with the show and hear your origin story. So as you know, everybody that is a guest on the Maya Tech Live show is somebody that I look up to and see that their work is just amazing. And as we know, every superhero has an origin story. So I would love to hear your education origin story. Well, thank you so much. I just, just sitting here listening to you, I'm just like, oh my goodness. And then it was so great to talk with you a little bit beforehand too. So it's just, I feel the same exact way about you. So thank you again so much for letting me be a part of this amazing show um, in time. So my origin story um, is when it started where I was a kiddo um, and when I went to school, school was my escape, if you will. So I don't know if anybody here listening is any familiar with any kind of like trauma-based informed practice of teaching. And so they have something that is called um, ACE scores. And so there's 10 ACE scores. And so those are 10 traumas that a kid can endure. And I have eight of those. And so growing up for me, I went to school to get away. So I went to school to really have that sense of normalcy and routine. And that was my way of really looking at it and just saying, okay, you know, this was my way to make it right, if you will. So then whenever it came back to the time where I was like, okay, well, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? I was like, I have to give back just like my teachers were giving back to me and my childhood. 
Um, and so I actually went back to the very district that I was a uh, student at myself. And I taught there for about seven years before I made the jump over to be a little bit closer to home to where I live um, currently. And so that's that was my origin story. Wow. You know, and that is interesting because one thing that I always learned and, and again, not coming directly from the education, you know, um, I guess education route and coming in from marketing into education. And uh, one thing that did transfer well was those, um, I guess, just getting to know your customer skills. So it's that personalization and getting to know who my students are. And, you know, it's interesting that, you know, your story too as well. One thing that I learned that is, you know, some of the things that I wish I knew when I was a teacher is that, yeah, not everybody is dealt the same hands, you know, not everybody has the same home life. You know, students come with different things and so on. So that was something that was uh, something a little eye-opening for me in the sense of understanding because I had no notion of that until I got into education. So the fact too that you want to give back because of your teachers and that support that you felt, that is wonderful and amazing. So you must have had some really great and influential teachers during your time. Is there one or a couple in particular that you might remember and maybe want to give them a shout out? Oh my gosh, yes. So Miss Bagasy um, was absolutely amazing. And so she was my fourth and then she went to multi-age for fifth. Um, so she was my fourth, fifth grade teacher. And I will never forget how she made me feel and how it was this family camaraderie in her classroom. And I loved it. And so when I went back to being a teacher, I was like, okay, like, what was it? Like, what was her juju that really, you know, so I asked if I could come back and like observe her class. And she said yes. And I was like, oh, this is great. Um, so I actually went into her classroom and to see it. And I just really realized it was relationships. Like she was real with us. She was funny. She really like made us feel like we were, she, we, she cared about each and every one of us. And that really resonated with her teaching. And I was like, I'm going to be me. Like, I don't have to be somebody, you know, different. I don't have to be like this perfect, you know, perfect teacher that has, you know, all the Pinterest things on the, you know, bulletin boards. I was like, I can be real. And really, it's just relationship driven. And it's that equity piece where we don't know what empty bags that we're bringing as students into the classroom. And so if you're willing to look into those bags and say, like, I see you, you know, what can I do to reach out outside of, you know, curriculum or just be like, how is it going? Get to know the kids, you know, personally. And so that's, that was a lot of my baseline. Oh my goodness. You know, that that really touches me and really resonates because again, Stevie, with my experience as well, you know, it wasn't really until I got into elementary. I did three years of high school and due to the way that our district schedules high school, it's block schedule. So I only get to know my students from, let's say, August mm. to about December. And then I get a whole new uh, round of students. And that's the way it was for about three years. So just when I was about to just kind of start getting to know them a little bit more, it was like, OK, on to the next group. But when I moved to elementary, that's kind of like, you know, what you're describing is exactly the way that I felt that, you know, and I'd never heard that term. Like you said, you know, a lot of students may come in with some of those empty bags. And now it's like, OK, you know, understanding where they're coming from, understanding their learning styles. And like you said, even just a simple hello, how are you? How have you been? And just build that uh, relationships there with your students and those connections was something that was definitely very important. So. Awesome. That's great so that you had that experience as well. 
So let's talk a little bit then about that transition also. Now, of course, you came in, you said you want to give back, you became a teacher. Can I ask you, what is maybe the one thing that you can think of that you wish you knew before your first day? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, everything under the sun. Like it's one of those times where I'm like, oh my gosh, if I could go back what would I do differently? Um, I would say, Stevie, it's okay to just tackle one thing at a time. So like either one subject area, one thing that you want to hone in on and then go all in on that. Because I was trying to get like everything, you know, I want to be the best reading teacher, the best writing teacher, the best, you know, literature, um, math, science, social studies. And so what I would really like to go back and tell old Stevie is like, it's okay, protect your time protect your, do self-care um, and just make sure that you're, you don't have to tackle it all. Just one thing at a time is perfect. So. Excellent. Well, great advice and sound advice, even for current teachers or new teachers that will be coming up. It's definitely, like you said, that finding that balance and that with time. And of course, it's okay to not multitask, but just, you know, really, you know, focus on those that you tasks that you really need to get taken care of and then move on to the next because I think Jen Manley was on the show and she, and you know, it's something interesting. I learned something new with, with the podcasting and she mentioned something about research showing that when you multitask and when you move from one task to another, you really lose kind of like that 20% of productivity because you're moving from one thing to another and having to reinitiate that flow state and so on. I was like, wow, that is so interesting. I'd never heard it that way, but I think that we have all felt it in that sense, where we stretch ourselves thin. So now you're in the classroom, you know, being in the classroom now, at, you know, as a teacher, where did that love of tech come from, you know, and implementing, uh, you know, technology? Were you one of those teachers that was kind of more of like, hey, let me take a risk here. I've got some Chromebooks or I've got some tech. Let's go ahead and try this. Or was it just something that, you know, came in a little bit later as you kind of just started feeling more comfortable? with the tech yourself? Um, great question. So I would have to say it really was just this organic who I am. I have always liked, liked the latest technology. And, you know, I'm thinking back like, you know, so I'm 37 and I was like back when, you know, Blackberries and BBMing, you know, was all the rage. I was like, oh, you better believe like I'm getting the latest BBM, um, you know, uploaded on my Blackberry app. And it was one of those, I just, I always loved tech. It was just fun. Um, so I really found myself anytime that I could start implementing it. Like I remember writing a grant for a projector in my classroom. Like it shows how older that is as me as a teacher, because I didn't just come with a projector to write a grant for it. Um, and I just really liked it. And so what I really started to notice is whenever I started to lean on tech and ed tech tools is when I started to feel stale. So if I was like, okay, here's the standard, here's what I'm trying to assess. And I'm like, oh, not another essay or, oh, not another PowerPoint. You know, like what can I do to really, you know, jazz it up, make it fun, get my kids interested, get me interested in it. And then, you know, I'm just, if I'm diving into something new, it's new and exciting for me just as much as it is for the kids too. So I always try to, I guess, really just kind of make it fun. Um, And a lot of it was just like scrolling on Twitter. And if I was like, well, that looks fun. Let me give it a shot. Um, And what's amazing, and I so believe that we are better together is anybody on EduTwitter, if you're like, hey, how'd you do that? Like, they're going to 
you know, DM with you. They're going to comment with you. They're going to send you their slides, their anything just to be like, you know, here, here's what I did too. And I don't feel like that's, you know, necessarily in every hallway um, in different school districts. And so that was another way that I loved Twitter was it was my way of not necessarily feeling like an island, even though I worked on and work on some really great teams. It really just allowed me to kind of expand my horizons and just see, you know, I can only see what I can see. But, you know, when you get on social media, you can like look up and you're like, okay, sky's the limit. Like what's going on out here? So. Excellent. Yeah. And, you know, well, you hit on so many great things, too, because it wasn't until I got on Twitter when I moved to elementary and it was my first year in elementary and I really had no notion of social media other than MySpace back in the day. MySpace, yes. <laughs> MySpace, and then Facebook, of course, and all of that. So, yeah, and then, uh, you know, and then, of course, then I got, I started going to, or I went to my first conference, you know, TCEA was my very first conference that I had gone to my first year as a high school teacher, and then when I moved to elementary. So then I discovered, I was like, oh my gosh, what's this Twitter thing? And I remember hopping on Twitter and not really knowing what I was doing, but then started seeing all the connections. And then I was like, oh my goodness, look at what all these teachers are doing with coding, with robotics, with Chromebooks and so on. And that is how my passion to grew up, uh, growing up in the classroom with my students. Also just knowing the little that I got from Twitter or from sessions and bringing them and then just letting my students roll with it. So early on, I learned, and, and this could be some great advice too, that it's okay to not know everything because chances are your students are going to just take whatever it is that you shared with them to that next level. And then by the end of the day, you end up looking like the expert because you learned so much from them. And that's the one thing, the one takeaway of being in the classroom and diving into tech with my students that I absolutely loved. So before we continue on, I do want to give a shout out here to Becky Barrett, who uh, has joined us from LinkedIn. And then we've got uh, Sherry Fleischer also as well, commenting, you know, upper levels of the SAMR model in action. And then we've got Becky Barrett also 100% agree, Stevie Frank. So thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your comments. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So Stevie, let's talk a little bit about now that transition from classroom to digital coach. Was this something that was just off, just seemed like just a natural progression? Or was it, you know, somebody maybe within the leadership team saw something in you that said, you know, hey, have you thought about maybe doing what you do in the classroom at the district level? So how can you tell us a little bit about that story uh, from transitioning from classroom to digital learning coach? Yes, 100%. Um, so we have so much talent in Zionsville Community School. So I would have to say it was one of those things where I think this position could have been given to several. Um, and I, I have learned from so many people around me too as well. So um, actually, Andy K Andy Kneven, which is Mr. Coach K15 on uh, Twitter, he actually held this position prior to me. Um, so Andy actually taught like two classrooms down from me for three years, I think we taught side by side. And then he became the digital learning coach. And it's funny because like we worked together on, you know, getting him this position. And then whenever he started to work for Flip, he was like, hey, Stevie, I'm going to be, you know, working for Microsoft. What do you think? And I was like, oh, of course, I would love it. Um, so it just really kind of became that natural progression where I was 
really ready for that leadership position. Um, and just like a change of scenery, I never like to do the same thing for too long. I will switch either schools or grade levels or subject areas um, it, just to kind of keep it fresh. I just, I like to kind of bounce around. So when this came up, I was like, oh, this is perfect. I was like, I get to bounce around to different schools and I get to collaborate and network with, you know, amazing teachers from across the district. And so that was really where my transition came from. And so I got hired like a week before school started, which is a little hectic. Um, so I felt like for the first, you know, when you say everything looks like you've got it all figured out and you don't, I was like, I did not for the longest time. Um, I'm still figuring it out. Um, I hope I always keep that mentality too, because the moment that I think I know it all, like it's time to go. Um, it's time to do something new. So I really enjoyed enjoyed this role and the challenges because I've been teaching now for a total of 14 years in education. And so I'm like, okay, I can do that. What can I do now? Like, so now I'm finding different challenges um, that are keeping it fresh for me. So excellent. And, you know, and that always is always very important that I agree. And I agree with you, Stevie. It's always great to always find something fresh, something new, and maybe just take maybe like that position or this role to that next level. And what else can you add to it and bring in that value? But also, even just your passions outside of the district and how you can still incorporate that within your current job setting, like, for example, your your passion for tech. So uh, I want to talk a little bit now about that transition, you know, because uh, I know it could be very bumpy sometimes, you know, going from the classroom. Now you're in a different role. I just want to kind of just start off with saying, like, yeah, I know my transition from classroom to this role. I remember when I first went back to the school that I was at, you know, that I had just finished my last year there in, in May. And then in June, I had this new position. When I went back, it was like, oh, you're one of them now. Kind of like, because now I'm, I'm working at central office, but wait a minute, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm here as an instructional tech. I want to help teachers. Did you run into maybe kind of any of those scenarios where teachers are like, oh, you're one of them now kind of deals? That's funny. Um, and it's funny. And maybe those conversations were held and I was just not knowing. Um, but I don't think so. And I tried to really keep it where I'm like, I'm real. And I always tried to really just talk about, you know, um, if I was talking with a teacher where it's like, I empathize or sympathize, I connect with them immediately rather than jumping into anything else. Um, so I was, I always pulled from my relationships first and I'd be like, you know, if I sit down with them, I'm like, Hey, how's it going? How's your kid? How's your husband? How's, you know, how's your life going? And so I think trying to always pull from those. So I wasn't seen as different, um, I think was important. Um, I really enjoyed just to be able to see people and just to get to like open up into more schools, I think was really fun and exciting for me. Um, I am such an extrovert and a people person. So that was a lot of fun um, for me too as well. But I just, we've got amazing teachers at Zionsville and just amazing administrators where I felt like the transition for me was the best transition that it could be. So I'm just really, I know, blessed with that. And I know that's not the same everywhere. So believe me, I know how lucky I am to be in this position. Um, this is my third district I've worked at, so I definitely get how how great it is. 
Awesome. Well, that's great. I mean, thank you so much for sharing that. And, uh, you know, like I said, it, it that was really one of those funny experiences, at least for me. But again, like you said, you know, once you go back, they're like, hey, how's it going? And so on. But it was just kind of funny, you know, just because of that transition. But so now as your role as a digital learning coach, like what are I want to ask you and just I'm always wanting to learn from different views and perspectives, you know, as far as incorporating technology or working with teachers. What are some of the ways for you, like that your approach, in other words, to working with teachers and kind of start introducing a little bit of the tech? Because as we know, there may be some teachers that are kind of like, uh, you know, not another thing on the plate or maybe some teachers that may not feel comfortable. What is the Stevie, uh, the Stevie approach to kind of just start introducing the tech to some, you know, teachers or new teachers or even veteran teachers? Gosh, well, you asked such an amazing question. Um, I'm a person of learning, and so I'm still in that process um, as well. So I've been going to a lot of um, coaching and just trying to get better at coaching because I felt like I was a content area master where I was like, you can throw me any piece of ed tech tool. You give me the website. Like, I'm going to figure it out. Um, And really, it was just that coaching model. And so what I've been really trying to dive into is how to be a better coach. How do I not give the answer right away? And how do I take a step back and let that teacher lead, you know, to say, well, what kind of a tech tool do you think would be best? Because I'm like, oh, you should use Flip or, oh, you should use Wakelet or, you know, Pontrep sounds great. So I've been really trying to take a step back from that. Um, so with that, the CV approaches, first of all, I always try to make sure that I'm centering around the relationship piece first. So, for example, that relationship piece, no matter what it is, that's going to take precedent, just like it did in the classroom. Um, so a lot of times what I'll do with the teacher is, um, for example, I had a, um, a teacher who just came back from maternity leave and she's nursing. And so I was like, let me fill up her water bottle for her. Let me give it to her and, you know, walk it down the hallway while I'm conversing with her. Um, and she was like, I was so worried about this one teacher, you know, the, when the sub that was in my position and I just don't know. And I was like, you don't, that is not yours. Like that is not yours to worry about. And I feel like if you really hit your teachers at a human level, like that's what they want. Like they just want to be seen. They want to be reaffirmed. And I think that's really what I base off of. So right now I'm really just digging into those relationships, being of any help of possible that I can. Um, and then really taking a step back. And so I'm like, okay, well, let's take a look at your assessment. Let's take a look at your lesson. Let's take a look at your standard. And then how do we want to get there? Um, and here's some tools that I think would be useful, but it's whatever you think. I think those are going to be some huge components um, in uplifting them. So anytime I hear them mention, you know, oh, well, you know, I, I was just thinking maybe I could, you know, figure out a QR code or something. I was like, what a great idea. You know, like our teachers are rock stars. Like it is amazing what what an educator does on a daily basis. So anytime I can bring them any kind of joy or any kind of, you know, reaffirmation of they're they're doing it great. Um, I'm going to do that. Um, and then I've been trying to follow up with like a reflective piece. So I've been trying to like write either a thank you letter for allowing me to be in their space. If I've got some sticker swag, like I throw it into the letter too, um, into the card and the, the courier takes it. So I guess that's the Stevie approach. And, you know, ask it. me again in a year and I'm sure it'll be different. Yeah, but absolutely. I, I love that. And, you know, I, I was guilty, you know, and maybe even still am to some extent that since I, I love to help the teachers, like sometimes it's like, here, you can use this. And 
kind of just I, like I just want to save them that time. But sometimes like I, I feel like oh, man, I just kind of gave them the answer. But I love your approach and kind of just asking those questions and maybe just saying, OK, you know, well, what is the end result? What is it that we're teaching? What is it that we are expecting from the students in return as far as a learning artifact? Um, you know, and maybe just start asking those questions. But sometimes, like you said, maybe they they just want to run the idea and maybe you're just that catalyst to just help them and encourage them to take that step and just trying something new or or feeling, you know, giving them that safe space or safety net, that psychological safety that sometimes maybe they may need to just take a risk with a piece of tech or something like that or a platform. And I so, but I absolutely love that approach. And I'm getting a little bit better at kind of just doing that rather than just jumping to give the answer because that that's just me. Like, I just want to solve your problem and I want to help you that way <laughs> you can do those things. But I love your approach and I love that additional personal touch that you give. And sometimes that goes a long way. Just that simple, like you said, just uh, the action of writing a letter, thanking them for being allowed in their space because this is their... You know, it's funny because I always say, you know, once that door closes, when I was in the classroom, it's like, oh, I am the master of my domain. This is this is my ship and these are my amazing <laughs> students and we're all working together here as a team. So, yeah, you know, reflecting back on that, it's like kind of like when you do or when I do go help a teacher now, I kind of am kind of change my mindset and say, hey, I am in your space. I'm here to help. But and maybe doing that, too, as well. I love those personal touches. and sometimes. We forget about those things and they definitely go a long way. So now in your current role and and maybe I guess in your current role here, but also, um, you know, what you do as far as presenting yourself, uh, you know, at conferences and so on. Uh, what are some ways that you yourself keep up to date with all of the tech? So I would love to hear some of that. And maybe for our aspiring digital coaches out there. Or even teachers also as well, what are some ways that they can gain, you know, or stay up to date with the tech that is out there? Well, first of all, listening to your podcast is going to be huge, right? Because, and you can hear like, what's the latest, what's going on, how are teachers using the tech? Um, I also just on Twitter, honestly, if I'm going through and I'm just like, how is this, you know, like, what is this thing that I've heard about getting on Twitter chats is always super helpful too. Um, I really enjoyed that as well. Becoming part of a good PLN, a professional learning network, is huge. So then that way I can see people that I follow and what they're doing. And that becomes an inspiration to me um, because I'll start seeing them tweet about it. And I'm like, well, I wonder I wonder what that's like. And so kind of diving into it um, definitely really helps. I also like those times where I'm invited into a teacher space and they're like, here's what I'm trying to do. What kind of tech works? And then I'm diving in on Google and being like, okay, well, what is the best tech? Um, or I shout out to my PLN on Twitter and I'm like, hey, everybody, here's what I'm trying to do. What do you use? What have you used? And how best to do it? Um, but definitely listening to podcasts is huge because I'll hear about it and hearing somebody's story from like start to finish has been really inspirational to me. And so then it inspires me to use it. Um, and I found that way, like when I presented about Soundtrap. So a lot of people, after they heard me talk about Soundtrap and student podcasting, they were like, oh, what does that look like? Um, and so, you know, I'm just glad that I'm able to return the favor um, to the people that I take all of their amazing ideas with. Awesome. That is wonderful. And again, that's also a very nice segue into 
what I want to talk about, which is it worked out great because I know we talked a little bit about it, um, you know, pre-chat and we we're talking about Soundtrap and student podcasting. So I would love to hear just a little about the, of the work that you have done within your district and maybe helping certain teachers to kind of get started with some student podcasting. So what, you know, where do we start? What is the lowest barrier of entry? I know you mentioned Soundtrap. So tell us a little bit about that. I'm definitely intrigued. Yeah, so it really started, um, I entered into, um, I heard, I guess I should say online or on um, the radio, actually, like who listens to the radio, but I was listening to NPR and they were talking about the NPR student podcast challenge and it was like three years ago and I was like, well, that's interesting. And then I just kind of let it go. And then my husband came home and he was talking about it. And I was like, okay. And then I had a parent reach out to me and she was like, hey, this looks really cool. And you seem kind of techy, maybe this. And I was like, all right, you know, the power of three. So I was like, let's do it. Um, and so I got with my digital learning coach at the time, Kyle Blindfor, and he hooked me up with um, Audrey O'Claire from Soundtrap. And he was like, let's, you know, start this relationship. And I was like, I've never created a podcast before in my life. And I'm going to go do this with 50 kids. Like, okay. <laughs> um, but just like I approach anything, I just jumped in feet first and I was like, let's do it. Um, and I really dug deep into, I got on um, Zoom a couple of times before Zoom got big in 2019. Um, and I got a couple of people that were willing to sit down with me and be like, okay, here's kind of how I do a podcast before. And then really it just like clicked all of a sudden when I was like, it's the writing process. Like that's all a podcast is. Your end product is a lot different. Um, a lot better, but it's a writing process. So how I always started writing was I was like, if we're going to write a slice of life, we're going to read a bunch of books about the slice of life. So I had kids listen to podcasts. What makes a podcast a podcast? Let's talk about that. Then we did an organization and they wrote their script. And then we found some quiet spaces up in the media center. We had some like quiet rooms off to the side. Um, and I just took the kids up there and they recorded. And I was so intimidated by Soundtrap because it's like really super slick. And just as you had mentioned at the beginning where you were like, your kids are going to figure it out. Well, they sure did. Um, and so they were cheating me all the things. And it was a really cool project because I felt like there were it really connected me with certain students that maybe I wouldn't have connected with before. So being a humanities teacher, I got like, oh, she's reading, she's writing, she's history. Like, I don't like any of those. I don't like her. And I was like, oh, how can I break down that barrier? So then I was like, okay, well, you like to play the guitar or you like to play the piano or ukulele, um, true story. And I was like, you can do that in my class. And then all of a sudden it was like, boom, they wanted to come to class. They were excited about it. Um, they wanted to be in my classroom. And that was so, so, so cool. Um, so cool, even on the hardest of year of teaching, which... 2020, 2021 was hard enough, but I felt like the next year was just as hard. So those of you in education know exactly what I'm talking about for some reason. Um, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to take podcasting on. I was like, this is, it was a feast of a project. Do I just let it go? And I thought about those particular students that I had not connected with yet. And I was like, what can I do? And I was like, I've got to do it. And so sure enough, I did. And we did it. And it was amazing. It was such a cool project. I loved it. Um, and every year I love it. So I enter through NPR student podcast challenge. And so um, they have 
so many resources. It's amazing on their website and I've tweeted about it and I'm happy to give you those resources too. Um, but it was really just kind of like being able to empower those students, giving them an authentic audience. Like their engagement went up amazing, like fourfold. Like I got my last observation of the year on the last day of our student podcast day. And my administrator was like, those kids were engaged. He was like, it was high stakes up in there. They were all like, oh, the kids are going to listen to this. Like, we got to make sure it's perfect. And so it was it was great. I love the project, love Soundtrap. And I think all of those, all of those things, like you talk about those higher level thinking of models and especially in the realm of like chat GPT, you can't say chat GPT, create a podcast. It can't do it. So right now in education, we have to say, how are we going to leverage our kids and I'm stealing from Matt Miller because he's amazing. How are we going to leverage their humanity in order to still stay creative and still stay innovative? And this to me was that because they were able to actually create something. It's not something that can be AI generated. Sure, they could help with the script, but how are you going to add voice? How are you going to add context? How are you going to add music? All of that was for their product um, and it was an awesome project. So. Oh, I love it. And just the excitement, you know, that it kind of reminds me too of being in the classroom and allowing students to really just share their voice and amplify their voice. And thinking about this, I just get so excited because I know that those students, not only did they get so excited that they were using just a great piece of software like Soundtrap to record, they're hearing their voices, but the prep that went into it, the writing process, like you said, um, you know, all that thought process, organizing the podcast and putting everything together, it's its not as easy as many people make it seem. Oftentimes, uh, you know, they see that finished product, but I'm glad that those students got that opportunity. And most importantly, too, I think it's just the communication skills, the, the way that you said that the humanity of just hearing their voices, their tone, their story, and just amplifying all of that. There's just something special about that. And th that's the one thing that I have fallen in love with podcasting, aside from being able to connect with amazing educators like yourself, but just that human aspect, that content, that the storytelling aspect that can really just, you know, take you to that next level, fill your bucket, get you excited about learning something new. And that is just something that is amazing. So yeah, that project sounds wonderful. And I would love for you to share those resources if you can. And then I'll definitely put yeah. them in the show notes for all the audience members as they go visit the episode uh, website. They can go ahead and grab those uh, resources to themselves. So that's really exciting. So thank you so much for sharing that. So tell me a little bit, though, about your experience, too, with Soundtrap, because I know I did see you at TCEA. And so was that really also what you were doing there, just really uh, sharing uh, this passion project? I, and I call it a passion project because it seems like you're very passionate about it, but is that uh, what you were promoting too as well through Soundtrap as far as, uh, you know, when I did see you at TCEA? Yeah. So I was there to present about student podcasting and I had um, used Soundtrap, but like I mentioned before, I was like, I was not a Soundtrap expert. Uh, my students became that. And so I had somebody from Soundtrap actually be able to step in and um, co-present with me as well. And so they co-presented. So I did the, here's how to do it in your classroom. And then she did the, here's how to do the tech. <laughs> and so it was a perfect collaboration effort. We had such a fun time presenting about it. And then just being able to share that experience with other educators, just 
so that you can take this and make it your own. Um, and so I have zoomed in with plenty of educators just one-on-one or even in small group settings. And I'm happy to do that as well. If anybody on here is just kind of like, well, that sounds interesting, but like, what does that look like? Um, I'm more than happy to go over that with anybody. So it's, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's definitely a passion project. I like that you were able to pick that up. Yeah, no, most definitely the way that you described it and doing that, you know, it was, it's great. And how students can definitely, you know, take they're learning to that next level. And um, I know one thing that I, I heard and that also resonated with me from a previous guest, Dr. Messina Morris, because she does a lot of work with AR, VR. But the way she described it is that when a student is really invested into their learning, it's it's that learning becomes part of them. It's not just like, oh, rote memorization or I'm just mimicking my teacher and just learning the steps and the moves and so yeah. on. But that learning just becomes part of who they are and they take it with them year after year. And it's most importantly, too, just that experience is something most memorable that as they continue to move on and then they're like, hey, I remember our project with, uh, you know, my teacher where we did a podcast and that's just very powerful for them. So I absolutely love that. So, Stevie, as we kind of start, you know, kind of wrapping up our conversation, which has been very fruitful and I'll tell you, definitely bucket filling for me as I get really pumped up with um, these episodes all the time. I wanted to ask you, you know, uh, what is one piece of advice for aspiring teach? well, for your aspiring digital coaches? So there's teachers that are out there that feel that, you know, they, they've got a hand, handle on tech. They're very familiar, very comfortable with tech, and they would love to maybe make that transition if there's a possibility within their district to become a digital learning coach, what is some advice that you might share with them? Um, great question. So I would say put yourself out there. Um, I also do some consulting work for Marketing for Education, um, Leone Consulting Group. And I have really learned that a lot of your success is what you put out there. And so people are not going to know and administrators are not going to know and other teachers or other principals, other anybody is not going to know any of this until you put it out there in the universe. So if you're sitting there at your, you know, um, observations with your administrator, share it with them. If there becomes anything in the district that opens up for any kind of opportunity for you to be a coach or you to be a, you know, have a different leadership role, say yes. Um, say yes a lot to those opportunities, even though you're like, it's just one more thing. And it will be for a little bit until it's not. Um, and so that was the thing. I felt like Twitter really helped me because how else would people see what was going on in my classroom unless I was the person to tell that story? And so a lot of times, and I feel like there's some educators a little bit hesitant because they're like, I don't want to toot my own horn, but you're not. You're sharing out what you're doing so that other people can learn from what you're doing. And I feel like that's what's really cool about the edu Twitter world is that it's like, how can I learn from you? Not, oh, look at her. She's showing off. Yeah. I think that, you know, you're not just keeping it all in and you're giving out. Um, put it out into the universe. You know, anytime, anytime you can have a conversation with somebody at the administration level, do it. You know, go up to them and say, you know, hi, and be like, oh, I've been kind of interested in something, you know, a little bit more leadership. You know, you put it out there and it'll become your reality. That's amazing. So that's some wonderful advice. And also, definitely EduTwitter, connecting with people. You know, that's honestly, that is one of the biggest things that helped me, you know, while I was in the classroom and of course, transitioning into this role, 
was just the number of connections of people in a similar similar role, uh, learning from them, asking them questions. Uh, because of, oftentimes, you know, in this role, it's things change so fast with tech. And like you said, being able to um, ask somebody on Twitter and just DM them and losing that fear because oftentimes it's like you see, you know, these people on Twitter, they're putting out so much great stuff and you're like, no, like, I don't want to ask them anything. Like, what if they don't reply? But I found that they, like, I mean, you put it out there, you put a DM or you just put something there on Twitter and people are so quick to help and it's amazing. And that's why I call it, you know, my PLF, you know, it's my personal learning family because it honestly, it feels like family work. I've got, you know, a bunch of, you know, family members out there on the edgy Twitter space that I can learn from or just throw out a question and, you know, get some help from. So I would also encourage, the, um, you know, any teachers just to uh, get over that little bit of fear of reaching out because you will be surprised how helpful people can be. And I, I can probably assure you that Stevie and myself too, if you ever have any questions, you can reach out to us. And if we don't have the answer, we will definitely connect you with somebody that can give you that answer for sure. Well, Stevie, it has been an amazing conversation. I really appreciate it. Like I said, I am so pumped up. Aside from being highly caffeinated, my bucket is filled just with your personality, how you are, what you do. Because again, uh, you know, seeing you at TCA and then of course seeing everything that you do, on Twitter, I know you are definitely very busy, but you also are willing to help. And so thank you so much for being an amazing guest this evening. But before we go, I always love to end the show with the following three questions. So if you have seen the show, maybe you are familiar with these questions, but I always share them, you know, on the calendar invite. So we'll see what the answers are for today. So question number one, Stevie, if well, actually, no. Question number one. In the current state of education, what would you say is your current edu kryptonite? My current edu kryptonite, and I hinted at this a little bit before, is not giving the answer when I'm in a coaching cycle. So what I really try to do, because I'm a fixer, I like to do all the things. I'm learning to sit back. I'm learning to ask them those leading scaffolding questions like I did with my own students and allowing them to take control and ownership and drive that boat to their own way that they want their classroom and that lesson to look like. So I'm still trying to learn to sit back. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing because I know that after today and listening to you, I'm like, that's something that I need to work up to as well. <laughs> All right. Question number two, Stevie, if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Um, so I heard this and this is um, it's funny. Uh, it's a Dave Matthews band um, quote, and it has lyric has always stuck with me. But it is the rolling um, the rolling rock gathers no moth. And so, if I continue to be innovative, if I continue to learn, if I continue to move spaces, um, and it really goes along with my Enneagram Seven personality of just like loving just to kind of adventure around. Um, I know that that is really going to. Um, just to help make me a better person and not stay so stagnant. Nice. Excellent. Good answer. All right. And the last question, let's say that this was your podcast tonight, Stevie, and I was your guest. What might be one question you would like to ask me? 
What do you think about ChatGPT and its implication on education? Oh, great question. I absolutely love it. I am here for all of it. I am here for all the AI. Um, that's the one thing, you know, I guess, you know, for like yourself, myself, and a lot of educators that are out there, it's really seeing the tech, seeing what it can do, always thinking about, you know, obviously I always think both sides, you know, weigh the pros, the cons, but really embracing it because one of the things that we know, and, and not just with ChatGPT, but just with any platform that is out there, Stevie, there's going to be platforms that may come out that look very similar to other platforms or those platforms improve certain things. The technology is always moving. So my thing is, I absolutely love what is happening in our education space and how this can definitely shake things up for the good. But we also need to be very careful and cautious and really help our students understand you know, the the technology, obviously the the negative side of it to make sure that they're using it well. We want to make sure also protection of privacy, information, all those implications. But we need to also understand that we are going to continue to move forward. And we always say 21st century, but I think we need to start thinking 31st century already and maybe using those phrases a little bit more because we're already past, you know, well into the 21st century. And I feel that we need, as teachers, we need to improvise, adapt, and overcome with anything that comes our way and make sure that we make the best of it and understand that we are still in control of the tech. Don't fear the tech because, again, you know, we, we just need to embrace it and use it for what's best for us. And for me, I'm like, if I can save you time and it saves me time, I'm all for anything that can save me some time. But also, again, like I said, just making sure that our students are well prepared for that future that will come. And, you know, even myself currently seeing it in my doctoral studies where professors know that it exists and they're like, we know that this is out there, but just be cautious. We're, we're not going to be very like, um, What's the word? I guess, uh, I guess very tough on you, but we need to make sure that you do cite if you do use it. So there's kind of that acceptance of, well, let's not fight it. Let's see how yeah. this can help and how this may improve things. So like I said, uh, I'm very excited and this is only the beginning of what is to come. But obviously we definitely need to be very cautious as far as protecting our, our students, protecting ourselves but seeing the good that it can do for ourselves as a society. So like I said, I get really excited when I see stuff going on on Twitter and people, you know, on podcasts too, sharing what is coming. And although it may seem scary and daunting, I always say, okay, well, how can this help us in and put this in a positive uh, light and po put a positive spin on it? But yeah. That is I loved my you answer. interviewing Chat GPT, by the way. That was one of my favorite podcasts. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, that's genius. All right. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate that. Yeah, you know, and but you know, one thing that I learned from that also too is just, you know, really the the prompting, you know, really you have to, you know, give specifics that prompt engineering, you know, learning all of that. And that's such a skill to have to give to your students and share with your students. Like what type of prompt can give you the best answer of what it is that you're looking for and so on. So those skills, I mean, the jobs are out there. Jobs are being created on the daily 
for, you know, prompt engineering and getting the maximum output from all of these AI tools. So we're seeing something in front of us that is great. I know there's a huge buzz and sometimes that buzz will kind of die down and kind of settle, but it's here. And now we just kind of have to, you know, just make it part of us in that sense and, and see what we can do that, to the benefit of our students and also to the benefit of education for sure, always in mind. So Stevie, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here. And also just please let our audience members know how they can connect with you. Oh, sure thing. So you can connect with me on Twitter at StevieFrank23. Um, just DM me and I'm more than happy to get back with you. Awesome. Well, thank you. It's been an honor and a pleasure to have you here. Just your personality, just how awesome you are. Like I said, I'm just <laughs> thankful that we got to have this wonderful conversation today. And I'm really excited. And for all our audience members that were joining us, we had Becky uh, Barrett joining us, Sherry Fleischer. We had Mel joining us. And for all of you that are catching this on the replay, whether it's through your favorite podcast player, you're watching on YouTube, please make sure you give us a like, share, and a follow. That really helps all the algorithms share this out to more people. And please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, whether, again, on your favorite uh, podcast player or even our YouTube channel. That definitely goes a long way. And visit our website at myedtech.life, myedtech.life, where you can check out this episode and the other 179 amazing episodes with wonderful educators and creators that you can take a little bit of knowledge from, sprinkle it on to what you are already doing great. And also, if you love to support our show, please make sure you stop by our merch store where you can get yourself some hats, you can get yourself some shirts, and understand that all of that goes back into the show and into our mission of, again, connecting educators and creators one show at a time. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for your support. And my friends, until next time, don't forget, stay techie.